Welcome to the Two Dudes That Game podcast. My name's Ender. That guy over there, his name is James, and we are finally making it two weeks in a row with recording on the schedule. It's nice. Uh, I don't know really what we're talking about today. I think we're talking about a movie. And then the demise of basically trade shows. (laughs) I guess that's the best way of talking about it. And then probably something else thrown in there as we think about it. I also want to bring something up. This has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. Shocking. I was uh, no, I was just looking through the thing. We're off topic. They, yeah, did you know they just made Scooby do a Pokemon? What? Yeah, I was just looking at this and like some. It's not like actually in the game, but fan art Pokemon. And then someone went and made Scooby Doo as a Pokemon, and I was like, "This How is kind of awesome." What does he evolve? Me, to? I'm gonna show, I'm gonna show it here. He evolves just to a, the older Scooby Doo, so it starts looking like Scrappy Doo in the beginning, <laughs> and then you know he evolves into Scooby Doo. Where is the here? It's in general. Um, sorry, this has nothing to do with anything, but I just, I, for some reason, I clicked on this and I was like, Scooby Doo. Oh, I love Scooby Doo. As we were starting. Yeah, right as we were starting. That shows how much I was paying attention to like what we were going to talk about today. Yeah, I was like, hey, we're going to start. And you're like, <laughs> sure, I'm ready. But yeah. I, like, they make it some weird like ghost thing and he <laughs> does not look good at all. Is this new or is this old? I have no idea. I just like I saw Scooby Doo fan art and I was like, oh, let me look at this. It was published seven minutes ago, so no, it's new. I looked on YouTube to pull something up, but I don't see it. No, it's not on YouTube. It was uh, it was an article, so I don't know. But it's interesting that they did that. So like this like little floating like puppy ghost thing, and then it evolves into this like weird. Scooby Doo tripping on acid looking thing. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, what is going on with these people? Why couldn't they make them look good at least? Anyway, the reason why I got on the Pokemon trip is because we finally watched um, the Pikachu movie with my kids. Okay, here we yeah, go. This, there it is. Hold it up here. Yeah, but we'll scroll down and watch what he morphs into. So this is what he starts as? Yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah. Bucci? They call him Bucci. Yeah. Pokelodeon. And then he ends up. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I mean, like, like, come on. Why are they killing Scooby Doo so bad here? He's a ghost and a psychic. I I have no idea what's going on. Is, is that just one evolve? One evolution? I think it's just one evolution right now, yeah. Oh no, there's different actually you can click on the go back. There's one other one where he's a ghost. If you go down, you can like click on the um yeah, so go back back to him as an adult. Yeah. And then you can click through the next picture. See it? It's really light on on the right side. You can click through the picture. Oh, there it is. That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. What are they doing to kids? Bad. Scooby-Doo it is fantastic. Like bad, uh, it looks like bad art on the on the on a cereal box. It does. I'm I'm glad that this is just like Check out this Scooby-Doo. Oh, so there's one here too. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. You do that one too. Gucci Ghost. Gucci Ghost. He's got a Dalmatian version, I guess. I guess. I mean, he's a Great Dane. Come on. Enough of that. That's why I have a fascination with Great Danes. I've always wanted one. I think it was Scooby Doo as a kid. Like, oh, yeah, probably. I think that was everybody's. Well, so it's funny. Like, I have a. I love pizza, and I want a Great Dane. It's like the Ninja Turtles and. 
um, Scooby-Doo was all I watched as a kid. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, now that we're completely off track and have no, no listen, idea where okay. we're going. No, no, I know where exactly where we're going because I've been saving this until the episode started to throw you off. See, see your opinion here. So today, uh, Ender, you decided to throw some random game at me and then I started, I jumped in. I had a little bit of free time today and I jumped into um, The Division, you know, a game that we started together. Yeah. We played all the way through. We literally have two missions left. And since then, you've decided to quit. We've moved on. I didn't stuff. decide to quit. I never quit that you, game. You played we just, Division 2? Yeah, I went to play Division 2. And you then we had that long off. Scum? And then you brought up Scum and started playing Scum. And I was like, okay, I'll play this. And then we just got down the survival game track. So I never you, quit it. Yeah, I never quit it. And then, and then today, listen. I'm like, this is how I always end up leaving games. Is like right at the end. Look at it. What is this? Dude, this, this looks this amazing. What Ender sends me today. It's this just is random. amazing. There's no context to it. Dude, it's, it's Toy Story four-player co-op. This came you, out three years ago. I'm not saying that it didn't. I just saw the ad today, and it looks freaking amazing. Doesn't that look awesome? It does look cool. I can't, I can't lie. It's called Hypercharge Unboxed. Yeah, so you basically, for those that aren't watching on YouTube or just listening... You take control of an action figure and it's basically like Toy Story first person shooter. Like, yeah. how friggin' awesome is that? It, You're telling me you don't want to go play this right now? I do. It's got a demo. That's all I can tell you. Okay. Well, it has a demo. I think it's only like 20 bucks. So if the demo is any good, I like buy it. So it's got four player it. co op, it has a no, story mode. It's a tower defense game, though. Yeah, so? Are you a tower defense player? It doesn't matter. You, it's Toy Story. Okay. I don't but know. Isn't... I just saw it, and, and I was like, huh, I wonder what... I, I honestly thought it was a trailer for a movie. Like, like somebody yeah, decided, Paul you know, Paul that grew up watching Toy Paul Story Paul and was like, I'm going to make this, like, shooter Toy Story. Yeah, well, it looks like Small Soldiers. Yeah, 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 Small Soldiers. Yeah, I remember that, that movie. Yeah, yeah. game too. Yeah, so, and then they're like, you know, brand new game, just dropped story mode, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? So it looks like they they dropped the game, and then they came back to it and redid a bunch of stuff for it. And I was like, this just looks freaking amazing. There's like fighter jets, and you're in a toy store, like a Toys R Us. It does look cool. I, I mean, like it's We Are Toys. I, I, I froze it on there. To say, I thought it said Toys R We, but it says We Are Toys. We Are Toys. It doesn't matter. It's a Toys R Us. That's it's supposed to be, which don't exist anymore. Toys R Us still exists. I thought they went out of business, but now they're like, they can do everything online and they opened up like two stores. Yeah. And they're, well, they're partnered with Macy's. So we have it oh, here. Oh, okay. If you, go into, if you go into Macy's, their, their toy section is Toys R Us. Yeah. So yeah, we don't, we don't have any Macy's around us anymore. They all gotcha. were removed. So, so three weeks from now, we'll be talking about how we've left hypercharge and we're still not done with sons of the forest or the division or scum. Well, scum doesn't really, we're kind of, as far as you can make it in scum besides like hunting people, right? Like there's not, I mean, we can like, I, I don't think we could do anything else. I mean, we figure, well, I guess traversing the map. I don't think we've been everywhere. Yeah. We we've hit every major city that I can think of. Yeah. We haven't done the, the naval I mean, base. I think it's the only place I haven't been. Yeah. And we haven't done the, um, where you got to put on that radioactive suit and all that. We yeah. So the, 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 um, Nuclear power plant. Nuclear power plant. And the it's naval like base. 
the, what's the purpose of going there right now? We don't have one. Like we haven't, we haven't gotten through all the other stuff. And we, I mean, we've traversed a couple of bunkers. Like we haven't gone into every single one of them. Like there's nothing there. And Sons of the Forest, I mean, I think it has an ending, ending, so we can get to the ending. No, we'll see it. I'll at least see it in my single player. I mean, I got like 30 hours in already. 20 of that, I think, is just building. Story. I'm trying not to progress the story in my single player because I'm trying to finish the game. The single player, all I wanted to do was make sure I understood how to get the freaking shovel. Like, I was just so pissed off about the shovel. Like, I'm like, I'm going to go figure this out. Is it just in one of the caves? So, no, you have to get the rebreather, you have to get the zip line. So we now have, we have, no. we, 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 we do. Oh, we don't we have know the, where it is. No, we've done yeah, it in our own. We don't have the gun. We have the rebreather and multiplayer. So, but, uh, not the and then, line. so to get the zipline gun is ridiculous. Like the, the, how deep you have to go into that cave. And then, so I did find it like, it's not really a hack, but it's like what I was doing in order to get through it is I was right before I got into a fight, you can actually drop your tent inside. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, how yeah, I did it. I was saving it and then I'd fight and die and I'd just reload right there. Fight and die, reload right there. Fight and die, reload right there. So that was the only way I could get through it. Um, I have learned more from just like, so I, I know we were trying to do it without watching any videos. I haven't watched any videos on the stories. I've just yeah. been watching some videos on like starting uh, the game and I found that since we are on the beach, we're not near any of the crash sites, which means we're not stocking up on all the respawns. And that's why we're like, we don't have any ammo or we don't have any stuff to go through all of that again. No, I'm not going to move. I'm just saying like that, like if I was going to go do it again, like, okay, let's make this easier on ourselves. Like I like the beach where we're at because we can see the cannibals coming. Yeah. Like I like all that. So come from a lot of places. Yeah. And there's also a couple of places like there's a cliff side that you can build on where they can only come from one direction. Like, yeah, we could make it a whole lot easier on ourselves and people have learned the game. Did you see the speed run that the guy beat the entire game in 10 minutes under 10 minutes? Oh, really? Yeah. So he glitched the game. So there's like a thing where you can, um, so you know, the doors we can't get through, you need the badges. Yeah. If you take a stick in the top corner and jam the stick in the top corner, you glitch through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so he did a speed when run. They, when they do stuff like that, I think like, did a guy just run around? He was just so pissed he couldn't get in the door. He hit it with a stick and he was like, oh shit, I got through. I don't believe that. I, I, I don't believe it. I don't know how they, it's gotta be, someone has to be really smart with code. And yeah, figure exactly. something out in the code of the game. Like I, I don't know how people figure those things out, but go watch it because this guy, basically this guy, and then he gets above the world. Like he glitches out of the tunnel, runs above at the top. of so it's like watching somebody play Mario, where he knows where all of the little spots are to get out of the world. Yeah, but all of it's going to be glitched away. So this guy will have the speed run record forever because you know they're going to go patch all that. And you're not going to be able to glitch the wall and things like that because they don't want this game well, that the they already say run, is supposed to be like 40 hours run. long. Yeah, the speedrun community, they're, they're pretty hardcore about that stuff. So they'll say that's not a legitimate. Well, so since he didn't do anything that was like code breaking, technically, it was just part like he stuck a stick in there and the door opened. Like, what is he going to do? 
Like, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Did he really break the game there or did they just not code it right? Like I, I I'm, you know, there, there's a couple of things like exploits and things like that. Like, is he exploiting? Mm, kinda, but I, I don't think Sons of the Force is a speed run game. I just know this was a speed runner playing it and they figured it out. Well, the forest, the forest became a so speed they're run. also they're also okay. using like the skating. Have you have you seen that now? Oh god, I can only imagine Call so, of Duty Sons of the Force. So basically what you can do is if you're going downhill, you can pull out your map or your build, not the, the build tool, and it puts you in this weird mode where you're frozen but you slide. And you just like slide down the hill super fast. And you don't die. You take no fall damage. Yeah. I should have done that the other day when I yeah. fell off. So like, like I know, now if you're falling and you don't want to take damage, take out your build and you won't take any damage. Nice. And also the sled takes zero damage too from any height you fall from as long as you have it on. So Sons of the Forest. Sounds like we're still going to be playing that. I, I, dude, I have 30 hours in, I think a little over 30 hours into the game. There, 25, 30 or so. I think on my solo 20 of those hours is just me oh, walking okay. around building hundred percent. Most. Uh, yeah. I have a peaceful one where there's no cannibals, no nothing. And I just literally just walk around and be like, Oh, let's build a bridge here. Oh, let's build this here. <laughs> now I am sad in my solo one. Rest in peace. Kelvin is dead in peaceful. No, no, no. In my actual normal solo. Okay. So how does he, die? how did he die? Most <sighs> your sad story. So I'm going to get a little emotional here. Calvin's my boy. We, we were in a cave. We come out of the cave. We're surrounded by the babies and we kill all the babies and Kelvin did his little like runaway thing. I didn't realize that one of the big cannibals was on him. So they had knocked him down and he was laying down. And while I pulled a shot to the left and I shot Kelvin in the face with an arrow and Kelvin is no more. They can't kill Kelvin from what I see. Like they they downed him and they leave him alone. And I missed with one of the shots and put an arrow through him trying to get the guy off of him and it killed Kelvin. It was a bad day and he doesn't come back. He doesn't respond. So now I'm no, so he's, he's done. done. So now he's all, and every time I look at my map, I just see his little tracker because you can't take his tracker of where he died, and it reminds me of that terrible day. Wow, poor Kelvin. I'm bringing, I'm bringing up a little gameplay for those that still don't know what Sons of the Forest is. A little yeah. horror survival. Yeah, people game. are saying one of the best survival games. I think it's 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 almost like it's still early release. So I don't think they have all of their, like, you don't take anything. Like there's no damage for, I, I did prove this. Um, you don't have to eat or drink cause no, nothing happens to you. Yeah. Um, your energy is purely based off of your sleeping and you don't like take any damage. So not all their systems have been implemented. Oh, there's Kelvin. Look at him oh, sitting on fire. <laughs> yeah. There's your buddy, your help. And, and you know what? I hope they don't make him any better. It's endearing how bad he is. Like, like all of these moments go away. It's endearing. And I did realize once because now that I had the shovel, I was able to get the shotgun. 
you can give Virginia a pistol and a shotgun at the same time. So she can dual wield. She can dual wield with those three arms. She is going to be. She is a beast once you give her that shotgun. She got two and then the pistol, like she going off and she's unlimited ammo. Yeah. See, I have no desire to use the gun. I just kind of stand around and run people towards her. No, I have. I'm going to keep the bow and hand it to her. Like, let her go. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I think there's a lot there and I was really interested in how, how bad the community was hitting the build system. Like it is so good. I know we talked about it before, but the build system is really fantastic. Um, and, and they're just adding more features to it. Like if they have, they really do need like more traps and things like that, that you can set up like different defensive walls and uh, some of the builds, but the ease of which you do it and just the, and, and here's what I'm going to say. And, and PC players are going to hate me for this. They had to take into consideration. Someone with a controller was going to play it. Yeah. Which is what has made it so intuitive. I believe because you don't have to hit a lot of buttons. I will say this. You can't, there's no hotkeys. Uh, I've played it on my steam deck a little bit. It's pretty fun. So that's got controller input, obviously. And w- What's tough is that anything that I want to basically hotkey to, I have to put on my backpack so I can pull up my. You, know, you can hotkey on the with the keyboard. Correct, but I'm yeah. saying on controller, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no hotkey, so you have to put things that you want to get to quickly yeah. on the back of your backpack. So you just pull out that part, and then you can click on things. Yeah, but that's yeah. stuff that they could change with like a wheel menu. Like they just yeah. make it a quick wheel menu or something like that that they could let me, do. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Ender. Sons of the Forest came out. It's early access. It has an ending to it, but they're continuously updating the game. What do you think the rush was to get the game out? Because how many people are going to play it, get to the end, and never go back? But there's multiple endings. So the I game ends that, differently uh, based off of what you do. No, but I, I understand that, but how many people are going to play through it once? A casual person. Like, they're playing and finishing this game before cooler features are being added to it. Do you, what do you think the rush was to get the game out? They needed money or. Uh, I, I don't know. Like I'd have to go back and see what was going on during the time. Like what other games were coming out? Were they trying to be first well, of the market? Was, well, think about this. Scum is a great example. I'm comparing it to because scum is out early access. You can do tons of stuff in the game, but guess what? The story mode and the ending of the game is not there. So once that releases, but reverse that- it. So reverse the thing. Like, yeah, we built our story mode first. It gives like, we we stopped playing scum because there was no end. They gave yeah. you a game that had 30 to 40 hours of linear play, not really linear play, but open world play that you could go do stuff in. And you have this really great build system. You can play it by yourself. You can play it with multiplayer, but they can build the community of scum. Like they can build out that massive multiplayer world where you have multiple things and a bunch of people on the maps and continue to add that. So they can they can build a multiplayer world easier than backtracking to this like it let, let's be honest if scum ever has like their plots in their direction that they want to go to do, are we ever going to go play that again or are we going to be like oh we kind of felt the end game like i i don't know i, I kind of like the fact that they gave you an ending where you're supposed to escape from the island that whole thing i think that would be a lot of fun maybe like i don't know like i think i think sons of the forest gave it to you that first so it's like okay it's like it's like call of duty you give me the campaign first i go and i play the campaign it gets me hyped for all the things i can do and then they give me the big multiplayer game afterwards 
that brings all those features in. I can play the multiplayer maps with all my friends and everything and have different clans set up. So I think as they're building that, they're, they could get to that phase of like, okay, here's our actual plan to end okay. this game. And I think they had the forest beforehand and it was getting a little old, so they probably needed to keep their yeah. fan base. So the other day, it, it is seems pretty dated compared to sons of the forest. Yeah. So they may want to try to keep their fan base. They realized that the VR probably wasn't the greatest way to go. So they didn't really worry about making the fully VR comp uh, uh, compatible. Um, but anyway, I, I like if you're going to do an early access, I'd rather you early access me with your campaign and like expand on that campaign, like add more features into it. than like do what scum did where I'm just kind of like, what do I do now? Like, I can't really I understand your mechanics. I understand your building. But it's multiple, multiple hours that I'm going to have to put into it. And where am I going with this? I don't have, like, we don't have a big enough group of people to play it. If we had 15 people playing, different story. If we had 10 of us playing, different story on one mm. of those servers. I think it's a very different story because sharing resources, finding all the stuff is different. Yeah. But it almost feels like Scum is more of, like, battling and escaping through stealing stuff from other people in the multiplayer interaction where the forest could have, yeah, you escaped it, but here's a whole new thing that you didn't even know about. And here's a different storyline we bring in. Like you yeah. have this whole thing of like, how'd the cannibals get there? What happened to them? You like, I don't even know if they figure out how the mutants get created. Like we haven't finished the story. We don't know. So you can continue with that story on this island, and it's like Jurassic Park. You just keep coming back to the island, and there's more dinosaurs to attack. Like, we, we just changed the True. island. True. You know, I, but for survival games, though, Scum is unique, in my mind, because they thought of multiplayer first. And normally, I think survival games are always built as a single player, and your multiplayer is your secondary product. Gotcha. Um, just, just my experience that I haven't played a lot of them, but it's always one of those things where it just feels like, you know, you go out there by yourself, you're trying to survive and all these other ones that I've looked up as well. It feels very single player co-op, not massive multiplayer like scum is Yeah, the scum servers, 85 people. Like you mm -hmm. can have 85 people on a server. That's a big server. That's a lot of people. So, well, speaking of, uh, early access games and getting a hands on preview or maybe seeing games early. I don't know about you, but I grew up in with E3 being the biggest event of the summer. I look forward to it every year. You get to see the games and now the last five or six years games would be announced, you know, seem like eight years ahead of time. So that got a little bit annoying, but thanks to Xbox pulling out over a couple of years, Sony pulling out, multiple other publishers pulling out as to being a part of Xbox now. Um, E3 is officially canceled this year. And I'll, um, you know, a lot of people think of E3 as just the conferences, but I'm going to show a little bit of footage here. This is actually the show floor of the, at the LA, I think it's convention center. They do it in, but this is the show floor. This is exactly what it kind of looks like for the days. It's not the conference. And this is the part that is, is, hurting right um all these publishers and stuff not being there not having a sony booth not having a microsoft booth not having a ubisoft booth 2k all, all these uh developers are gone this was a big deal 
And uh, I'm curious to see, do you think that the pandemic just showed all these companies they could do things virtually and people love it? Or they can do more updates, they can do bigger things? Do you think this is... Do you think E3 is ever going to come back? Or I don't know, think what, E3 as itself will come back, but we, we will have conferences again. Conferences um, for sure, yeah, because they're, they're scheduled already. Xbox has one, Sony has well, one. No, I think we'll have large collaborative concerts conferences again where these these larger companies will have to come to them. They'll have to be part of that. Um, I think this hurts the community as a whole, like in all honesty. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is we, we, we went through a very unique situation here with this pandemic where we were forced to separate from each other. We were forced to figure out new ways to, to do things. Cause we couldn't be together. There was a safety issue we had to get through, but a lot of these things were, were there for the people to potentially talk to someone in the gaming world that they would not necessarily ever have an opportunity to talk to go out and hang out with them. Like, look at this floor. Like people are interacting when you have, and, and it's, I don't want to get into like work issues or things like that, but when you have people together, they're going to collaborate better. They're going to innovate better. They're going to come up with ideas. They're going to bounce things off of each other that they didn't even think of. They didn't even, you couldn't even imagine that that was out there with other people that are in the industry and they're going to see things they like, and it's going to spark ideas and not having a conference like this isn't going to allow those vendors, smaller vendors to talk to the bigger ones or the bigger vendors to even know they exist or, or these guys to just get a break from the daily grind and go enjoy video games again in this massive place. It's like going to the, the, the auto show. Like the National Auto Show. Like I love going to that every year because it's it, DC has a huge one. Like it's because it, I live right by DC, and the convention there, you don't go to the days where they're doing the big reveals. You go to the days in between there because you get to talk with people that you never would see that are there, and and you get to learn the passion that these guys have for cars that you do. Yeah, and and you get to meet them, and you get to shake their hands, and for fans, it's just a a wonderful place to be, and you're surrounded by just this eye candy everywhere for you. It's just it's wonderful, and COVID took that away from us, and we were like, oh well, we can just do it virtually. It's not the same. I, I did the the virtual auto show. It sucked. Well, I it mean, sucked. You know, Microsoft will still do a probably in person conference. They but have it's their still own. not everybody like then that's the thing is microsoft decided that you know what you're charging us too much to come to this conference we're not getting enough out of it because at the end of the day it comes down to money let's call it what it is like it's the guys got greedy at e3 left e3 before anybody they were the first ones so but anyway who cares who left first somebody got greedy whether it was e3 side or the other side of people leaving saying we can do this cheaper, we can do this here, and, and they forgot about the community when they did all of that. And they forgot about the fans. It's like Comic-Con. Like, it's I mean, not you there. You're not there for packs. you. You're there for the fans the to come. Packs. You got all the PAX conferences. You have GDC. So you still have something, but E3 was like... That was it. That was the, the thing. Yeah, I, so, I'm not saying you don't have other ones that you can go to. I'm not saying that there isn't like going to be another convention out there and they have it all. I just think when you start losing the conventions and people think, oh, we can do this better on our own, 
it, that, that's not what it's for. This is for fans to come together to see all of the things that they love. That's what it's for. And we lose sight of that because, oh, it's going to cost us this much money and we're not going to get the return on our investment and blah, 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 blah. Does it matter? Like when you're talking about the billions and billions of dollars you're making off of us buying games, does taking that, you know, $50,000 hit to put up a booth, send a couple people out to talk to them, shake some hands really mean that much to you? Like, and if it does correct me if I'm wrong, but my guess is that's just chump change that you can do for travel and get people there because <laughs> I know my guys, I know people that I work with that'll travel for free. As long as you pick up the flight ticket, everything else is on them. You give me yeah. a hotel room, which you already know you're comping anyway. And those you're getting super cheap. You're getting super cheap tickets for them. It's what is you give them, you know, 40, 50 bucks a meal. Like it's not, it's not that big of, it's not that big of a cost for the potential of making fans happy and you could possibly meet someone that you didn't know you were going to have and, and have the next greatest game in the world. Yeah. You know, I used to live out in LA and every year that uh, E3 came, I always went to all the IGN meetup stuff. So I met a, a ton of the hosts from IGN and the writers and stuff. And it was always really, really cool just to have a beer with them, chat with them about their, you know, maybe their favorite sports team, Ryan McCaffrey, big baseball guy. So we'd always talk about reds and diamondbacks and, and uh, we talk sports and, and he'd always have his predictions and stuff. But uh, uh, that was always probably the funnest time for me. And, and just the amount of people you meet in the gaming industry that you didn't even know exist. And yeah. that's not even one of the actual E3 show. That was just all the meetup stuff around. Yeah. So I think it's sad overall. Um, I think something will be back. Someone will take its place. Um, but for people looking at this and saying, oh, well, you know, it's not what it used to be and blah, blah, blah. You're right. And it may be time for it to go. Conferences come and go. They're not going to be the same yeah. there, but it is a blow to the community whenever you lose one of those. Cause it's, it's a meetup that people know and love that they're not going to have. It's like take away comic-con, you know, like even take away one of the offshoot comic-cons. Cause I just took my kids to the, the kids comic-con that we just had like, okay, right off the kids comic-con. Like my, my, my kids had a wonderful time there and they grow into all of those sorts of things. Um, you could easily have canceled that. Cause I guarantee those guys weren't making any money off of my, you know, four and seven year old coming to shake hands with the writer of, I don't even remember. I don't even know the name of the book that my daughter reads yeah. that we were there, but they were there, mm -hmm. you know, so they get to grow up with that and they get to interact and they get to see that interaction. And, and it's this wow moment that you have, like I would love to be able to take like being able to take my my kids when they're older to E3 like look at what this really is this is glamorous here. Like this is a big world. You could be part of this. Yeah, exactly. And you lose some of that. You know, it's like the first time I ever walked into a baseball stadium. You know, this is like a cathedral. This is something like a, you're yeah. a little kid and you walk in, it's the biggest thing in the world. Like you you just lost one of those events that could have spawned the next greatest person in the industry because of, you know, 60, $70,000. I mean, they claim that it's coming back. Do you, do you believe that E3 as we knew it will ever come back? Or do you think something will eventually just take its place? Not with the current management. Cause I know a lot of them don't like them. So I can't remember the name of them, but I know that was one of the big issues of who took over E3. And a lot of people did not like that management group. Yeah. So probably not with them managing it, but 
if you get a new group of people, you get some passionate people in there that really care about gaming and they, they are willing to go out there and talk to them and be like, look, we want to make this what it is, what it used to be. We need you here. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to have to cut some deals with some people. You're going to have to make Microsoft feel good about themselves. You're going to have to do that. I think the only chance we have to see anything like this again is uh, the more and more E3 keeps falling and canceling year after year. Uh, Jeff Keighley, Summer of Gaming. He's constantly partner with people. He's the one that does the video game award show every year. He seems to have a lot of ends and a lot of favor with a lot of these companies. And he's able to bring some, he, he's able to pull off some pretty miraculous things. Sometimes he, I mean, I remember the year they had the head of Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft all on stage at the same time. I mean, stuff like that just is, is pretty rare. Somebody passionate about gaming is going to have to bring them together. And I could see, I could see his showcase becoming something big where he brings in you know yeah. media developers all on a, and it's on a gonna show. be it's gonna be somebody that's not out there to make a dollar like he's like i'm, I'm okay with the profits that i have because you got to make money i'm not trying to say yeah, don't make do. money i'm all for capitalism make money off of what you're doing but i think there's a level of greed that you start to say okay is do i you know is 10 million enough maybe i can just make 11 well you were fine at 10 and then you screwed people at 11 you know, did you really need to do that change? You so, you sound like the owner talking to Lamar Jackson's agent. That's how you have to do it. Is it is it really that big of a deal? Like, is that is it is it when, when you're talking about numbers at that scale? You know, it is a big deal. Like, there's a huge difference between ten million and eleven million dollars. It's a million dollars. It's a lot of money. But when you look at it over the course of time. And what you're gaining from it and things like that. Did you really gain that ele- that extra million or did you lose your, your value in what you're doing yeah. and what, and, and your value prop of who you are. And I think E3 yeah. lost who it was to the vendors that showed up and the big guys stopped showing up. And maybe it was the big guys that lost track of that. You know, Phil Spencer, like he seems like a gamer, but he never came back. Why? Like, why, if, Phil's, if Phil Spencer is this great gamer that loves people and all of these things, why wouldn't he want to be at every convention he could possibly be at? It's a good yeah. question. Like, so is there something internally that these guys are doing that they just don't like? Then someone needs to grab their ego and say, okay, well, let's make this what you guys want. We're going to have to figure this out. But when you're talking about billionaires, they don't normally cater to each other. Yeah. All right, I'm over. I'm done. <laughs> You're done with that. So, final topic of the night. Um, I've been excited to see this movie. Uh, we'll talk. We'll just say what it is. Tetris on Apple Apple TV. Uh, I, I'll be honest, and I really didn't know what this movie was about, and I wasn't really sure what I was getting into. And essentially, it's a political story so i knew the trailer. <clears throat> i are do we have audio on the trailer no 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 okay audio. um i didn't want to talk over it if you threw the audio up <laughs> no if, no audio i knew this i knew the basics of the story like i knew there was some political issues of getting it out of russia like i knew it was ussr um ussr at the time game that there was a lot of players involved. And the only thing else that I knew about it going into it was that 
one of the guys that was selling the rights, like never actually owned any rights. Like I knew that happened, but I did not realize the extent that, um, I guess what is it? Hank Rogers went to of actually going to the USSR. Like, like literally going there and almost getting thrown into jail, <laughs> like to, to make this work. Like I, I had no idea cause I knew it, I knew it was all in, in, in Tokyo and Japan. And, um, that's where he was really trying to build it because he was, he, he moved to Japan, married his wife there. Like I knew that part of it, um, but had no idea all of like the crazy KGB Russian stuff that was going on. But when you think about it of the times, with how the USSR and, and I mean, we were talking about like right after the cold war or during it really, what was it? 80. So yeah, right at the end ish beginning, like, yeah, right at the end ish. So, um, super cool story. I would, I would recommend everyone to go watch it, but don't expect it to be a movie about the game and how it was developed. It's about there, the distribution are, rights. Are, I will say there are pieces of it. What I, you find out really quickly how the game the game is basically made by this guy that just worked at a government building. So he well, just, but I mean, you're in Russia. Everyone works for the government. Yeah, but what so, I thought was interesting, he you know, built it. He built it off of their word processor. So basically, it was a guy that took an Excel spreadsheet. The blocks were parentheses under. Yeah, yeah. He the made it off of like he made it off a of word, an Excel spreadsheet. Like he. So have you ever played a game inside a word like they have? Yeah. That's that's what he did. Yeah, but it's crazy. And like and and they were pissed at him. Russia, the, the Russian government got pissed because they were losing so much productivity because everyone was playing this game yeah. on their computers. And, and that they had on there. And it was um uh, Alexei, I can't think of his last name. Um, Pajik Pajnovic Pajnovic, I think is his name. I know it's Alexi is his first name. Um, Pajnovic, I believe is his last name, but yeah. So one of the interesting things I think through the whole story though, is it really gets you down. And, and it's funny cause I started this with Scooby-Doo and this made me think of Scooby-Doo as well. <laughs> what a lot of people don't know is Scooby-Doo's rights have been passed to like seven different publishers. That's why if you look at all the drawings and stuff, they're slightly different in each one you get. And the names of Scooby-Doo's are different because there's Scooby-Doo and the mystery machine, Scooby-Doo and this, Scooby-Doo and that. Like it's each different publisher has their own rights, but they can't go back and do all the other stuff that someone else did. So they have to slightly change it. Um, So this is really getting into like how you get the rights to distribute a video game. And I didn't, I didn't know, like I figured you just sold the game to Nintendo. Yeah. Like I didn't know I, that it was like, Hey, Nintendo was, has these rights. Like arcade has these rights. Like it's really broken down. There was a lot of, because of being USSR game, there was a lot of people that just lied. Yeah. And, it, and the government it, didn't even know that this was being sold in the U S yeah. Russia had no idea. Cause this one Russian diplomat that was over sold the rights to, I don't even remember. Like you can go watch and get all, all this stuff, but basically sold the rights um, to a distributor company and they started distributing the game and Russia wasn't getting paid for it at all. But then you saw the greed and corruption of basically the communist state yeah. where the one guy was not after doing what was best for Russia. 
he was after what was doing best for himself and you know taking bribes and things like that and that's where the end of you know communism and the fall of the ussr comes from um is really just the internal bribes that happened um and and governmental bribes of like i'll do this you pat my back i'll pat your back like there's no checks and balances there yeah i will say I, I don't know what your favorite part. My favorite part of the entire movie, Ender, was when Hank Rogers goes over to Alexi's house and they start playing the game. To, the original, he pulls up the original game and he lets Hank play it. And Hank's just blown away. He's like, wow, this is, this is actually it. And at that point, I didn't realize that when they were playing the game, you could only eliminate one line at a time. Which is why people probably, the game ended on people nonstop. You couldn't go unlimited like Really, because you could never get the lines all the way back down to nothing. Once you well, no, you, know, you could. They just chunked down one at a time, though. Yeah, yeah. So it would be really difficult because you might have, and it will because if you filled up four thing and you do what's called a Tetris, well, the Tetris get, didn't yeah, exist then until well, he did it there. Line and that bottom, the next three lines would just be solid the rest of the game. So now you filled in that whole area. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting when Hank says, "Yeah, I always, I always wish you could do more than one." And he literally says, oh, let's fix it right now. And he goes in and they just start coding it. Well, I mean, see, that's the simplicity of those games then. But it's interesting, like, like that part of the story to me, I think is super interesting just because they were like, I like how Lexi's like, oh, I never thought of doing it that way. But, (laughs) But it goes back to what I was talking about with E3 is getting people together. Yeah, you don't have that idea if someone doesn't say, "Hey, why don't we try to do it this way?" Oh, that makes sense. Like, let's do it that way. I like that. Like, that's that the whole part. Thing changed the game completely. Yeah. I mean, it was it would have been a hit even without it. I think it it became the massive success it is today, the number one selling game of all games. But I will say this: the the main deal around this which I thought was interesting when Hank Rogers gets to be, and I, from what I understand that, that part is true. He's one of the original 10 people to ever see the game boy before yeah. they launched it. And I thought it was interesting that it was a no brainer for Nintendo. Of course they were releasing a Mario brothers game with the game boy. A lot of you that are younger or only started playing video games with your console. It is not normal for a game to come with your console. Back in those days, whether it was a handheld or old Nintendo Sega, they were packaged with games. Today you get an Xbox, you get a, you know, get game. Well, you have to wait for the specialty yeah. version to have the game in it. Yeah, exactly. But back then it was like, it was unheard of. To you also got two controllers game. back then. Yeah. Two controllers. So to learn that the game boy was going to launch with Mario and then Hank Rogers, like, no, let's package it with Tetris. G- like absolute genius. Well, you have to remember why he did that. So he said, if you want every kid to have, a Game Boy, Tetris will sell it with Mario. If yeah. you want everyone to have a Game Boy, mothers and fathers included, package it with Tetris. Yeah, I had like a Game Boy, and I will say, I have so many fond memories and hundreds of hours of Pokemon Yellow or Red or whatever I was playing then. But I, I would, I would guess that Tetris was still probably my number one played game. I remember I my aunt. My aunt had bought a Game Boy. First time I ever saw, I did, I never had one. I always wanted to go over to her house to play it. She bought it for t- the only game she ever had was Tetris, and she play. I mean, she played the hell out of Tetris. But I remember just sitting there, 
and playing for hours, like just losing myself in this stupid square game. <laughs> and, and I hate the name of it because I get Tetra for the four and then tennis, like because Lexi liked tennis. Like, yeah, okay, exactly. that's interesting. But I just remember sitting there for hours and I mean, she had gotten, she had beaten the game. You know, at that time you couldn't beat it, but then the new versions came out and you had like the end screens that you could get to and stuff like that. Um, yeah, who would have imagined that 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 would have gone as far as it did? And I think I, I, I the low light of the movie to me is some parts were a little cheesy. Uh, yeah. the the chase scene where they were like turning into Tetris characters, like what is this Frogger now? I mean, like. That was amazing. That was so stupid. That was so good. That it, was perfect video game. It was so stupid because it wasn't Frogger. If it was Frogger, it would have made more sense than Tetris. That's okay. But I get like he had to fit his, you know, trust me, it'll fit when they're driving the car. Like, I know this because I can tell how many square blocks it is. No. Okay. Come on, guys. That was just terrible. Um, My favorite part, though, is literally the end of him getting Alexi out of Russia and getting him yeah. what he's due. Cause yeah. he never would have seen a dime for the game. The Russian government took it from him and he saw nothing. Um, and, and Hank gets him out of Russia and gives him a job to where he's able to see the, 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 the benefit, the, the beauty of his game get played by millions of people and get compensated for it. Yeah. And also make uh- help design and make yeah, other design more games where he want he should be they eventually hank and alexei eventually took over and completely owned uh all of um it's i think it's just called tetrisco now right and yeah, tetrisco. Hank's daughter is technically the ceo or president of it right now, now yes yep so it's a it's an interesting story it, it's something for those that think it's just about a silly video game it is way deeper than that I, I i could not believe it. i remember texting our group saying wow i can't believe what i just watched i wanted to make sure all of you guys watched yeah it, it was on my list to watch and then when you watched it and said hey this was great then I, I bumped it up on the list of like okay let me make sure that that i watched this mainly so we could talk about it when, when we got into it but um yeah a fantastic movie i recommend anyone that is into the history of games like go watch it. It's definitely it's definitely worth the watch. And even if you're not into it, just the political back and forth between us and Russia. Like, let me rephrase that. My my I love the part where he gets him out, but my favorite part is when he's writing the contract between each one. <laughs> so the the basically there's a part where they're all and they don't know they're all here. So you have the main Russian diplomat guy, I can't remember his name, that stole the game basically, or he didn't steal it. He used the loophole because they said a computer, he had the rights of a computer, but they didn't define like the keyboard or whatever it is at that point. Anyway, he had that, he had him there. And then he had the other big corporations. They had three people there all trying to do it. And the guy from Russia is going in between all of them and modifying the contract based off of what they're reading to him as he's going through. And like, this guy is an honorable Russian dude. That's trying to get the best deal for Russia. You know, and, and he turns out to be the most honorable guy in the whole thing. Exactly. You know, literally is there to help Russia, believes in that Russia, does all of that. And and I like that part of the story because I, I we give Russia a really bad rap in America. Like we do. And, and I'm not condoning anything about it. 
But the people in Russia, not every single one of them are the commie assholes that we make them out to be every day. Like there are guys there that are truly there to benefit their country and make the best decisions they have. And you see that in him and also are there to help out their people. Like he wanted to help Alexei. You know, he yeah. made the deal with Hank knowing that their go- his government was going to come after him and he could possibly get killed and put in jail forever. One of the two. And he still did that because he knew, one, it was the best for the USSR, and two, it was best for his people in the USSR. So I'm glad that they shined some of that light on there and not made everyone from Lush, Russia look like they were just trying to bribe everyone off and all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, whether, a, whether or not you agree with communist thing. states or anything like that, that that's beside the point. People are people and there are good people everywhere. And then yeah, there's I'm just really, some uh, rich really assholes glad. that have yeah. no money. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Very true. It was interesting to see the, it's a, basically the downfall of at the time, one of the, one of the bigger companies in, in America. Yeah. What L um, L rog or no, that was the Mir- Russian company. Mir something. Yeah. We don't even know the name of them. And I did think it was interesting that they wanted to sell it to Microsoft. Like I didn't know Microsoft was in the game of trying to get a hold of Tetris. Mirror soft. Mirror soft. Yeah. So super interesting. Go watch it. Um, definitely worth the watch. It's, it's about an hour and a half. Um, and it, and it, and it starts, man. Like you're not waiting around. Like you just get right into the story. They're they're a British game publisher. British. Okay. And you get right into the story, man. You don't, you don't like, you don't, you know, beat around the bush trying to get all this backstory. Like you start of him, like telling you what he's trying to do. Um, so yeah, uh, again, think that's all we got today. You got anything else? I think that's it. Cool. Well, that has been, I think, episode thirty-five this week, and we got two weeks in a row. So we'll see you next week. My name's Ender. The dude over there is James. Check us out on all the podcast places you can get podcasts, and on YouTube at Two Dudes That Game dot com as well. If you want to just find it there, and we have links to all of our stuff from that point. Have a good night. See you.